many years, I guess, at this point, and uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, year or two, kind of been diving into the uh, programmability side of things uh, significantly more. Um, so I'm coming from effectively zero programming background at all, other than taking C++ many moons ago class and swearing that I would never do that ever again to myself. Um, so hopefully this will be a, a gentle kind of introduction into programmability and, and some of the things that ACI can do and, and uh, do it pretty painlessly, I guess we'll say. Um, so I've got uh, only a handful of slides, um, I think four total, uh, five total, including this fantastic opening slide here. Um, and then we're going to do some live demos uh, for the rest of the time. So that should keep us, uh, keep us running pretty good. So we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, so basically, I've got, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, programmability and just kind of why or how did we get to this place, right? So, so we went from you know, doing networking and server administration and all of these things for years and years and years and years, and we never really did any kind of programmability. You know, you might have had an Excel thing with macros that generated some configs, or you might have just copied pasted, or you know, maybe you had some guy that was uh, ambitious and had some kind of Perl thing to, to do a certain thing, but it was never um, a serious and kind of industry-wide thing that everybody's talking about programmability. So uh, before kind of jumping into some of the tools and stuff about ACI and, and what would we have at our disposal, I kind of wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about you know, why do we care and, and how did we kind of get here. Um, so what did we do to deserve this, right? So I, I think there's some obvious reasons. Um, that you know, everybody's kind of beat to death uh, in the industry, talked about all the time. Um, and I think there's some less obvious reasons as well, so I just kind of want to go over that a little bit. Um, so starting with kind of the obvious stuff, you know, I think NMS and SNMP, I think that's like a really simple uh, place to, to start and to kind of pick on, right? Because we've had um, you know, SNMP for years and years and years, and it's never really worked that well. I think if you, you know, listen to packet pushers or any of these other kind of podcasts or blogs, uh, you'll hear people lamenting SNMP and, and how awful it is and <laughs> it's really not doing any, any good for us. Um, and that I think, you know, my experience 100% echoes that. And NMS in general, right, network management or monitoring in general has always been kind of a, a challenge, I'd say. Uh, never seen, you know, uh, an application or a tool or a platform that really could do what people would really hope that it could do. Um, so I think programmability is a way to kind of address some of that to some extent and try to rid ourselves of that, these kind of challenges uh, that, you know, all this technical debt and kind of built up over times where we you know, keep, okay, well, we got new MIBs or new, uh, you know, new NMS platform or whatever, but we're never really fixing the pro problem uh, in the first place that, you know, data is hard to get out of devices and uh, hopefully programmability and having programmable ways to query devices and stuff like that is going to, be able to help uh, alleviate all that pain. Um, human error, that's one that everybody always talks about, right? So if I had, um, I can't tell you how many times I fat finger everything. Like anybody that I talk to on Jabber will tell you that I misspell every like third word like on a good day. Um, that's a simple example, obviously, right? If you're sitting and jamming on a, on a CLI of some switch and you make a typo, obviously that has some potential impacts. Um, obviously, uh, human error at scale becomes even more of an issue, right? So scale is kind of 
another obvious issue or another obvious thing that's kind of driving the need for programmability. Um, you know, how does one you know human that can't type right on one switch manage 50 switches or 50,000 switches or, or whatever? Um, and I think the scale piece kind of leads into the next one that I, I would generally consider slightly less obvious. Um, uh, and it's maybe a bit of a personal opinion, really. But I think industry pressure from the large companies, you know, Google, Facebook, Netflix, Amazon, blah, 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 all of these kind of large companies is driving some of the, the, the need or the, the move toward having more programmable uh, features or infrastructure. Um, I, I really think that's, uh, you know, these companies have their own unique challenges at the scales that they're at, and they've had to adapt and evolve and, uh, and address these, and really the only way that you know, they're able to do that is to have you know, programmable interfaces that they can access you know, tens of hundreds of devices or more um, safely, you know, I guess, uh, across their, their, their infrastructure. And I think that that pressure from, from those big players is driving vendors, you know, Cisco and VMware and all of these people to try to get a piece of that pie, of course, right? That's, that's kind of the name of the game in business, right? Uh, so I think it's driving a lot of that uh, the vendors to kind of adapt to that and then also maybe even less obvious is I think we're seeing a lot of customers or a lot of people that are saying you know Google Netflix Amazon they do it this way you know that must be the right way to do it for all of everyone right which is maybe not necessarily true um, but I think that's certainly a pressure that's kind of driving toward programmability um, and then the last little less obvious one I want to kind of talk about and mention because I think it's important is structured data and right? so if you look at ways to interact with devices, we screen scraping in SMP, right? That's not very good. We kind of talked about that already. So with programmability really kind of comes um, structured data, and structured data is much, much, much easier to manipulate and to understand, obviously, for a machine, of course. Uh, but even if you're just trying to return data, uh, you can get structured data that's kind of you know indexed, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, versus you know, screen scraping and having to do some kind of crazy regular expression to get the one little you know, kernel of information you want out of it. Uh, so I think JSON, uh, obviously, is a big one. Um, everybody's talking JSON this, JSON that. XML, JSON XML, really. And that's what, that's what that means to me. Um, it's just so much easier to manipulate and kind of talk about. We're going to demo some of this, and we're going to be manipulating some JSON files and kind of looking at the configs and doing some cool stuff with that here in a little bit. Um, so what's the what's the vision? And this is where I get my lovely little icons here down at the bottom, my lovely little pictures. So the, the short-term vision, you know, what's what's the net gain from caring about programmability, right? So I jokingly say peace on earth and have my little hippie earth there. Um, but so DevOps, NetOps, um, you know, all of these kind of buzzwordy terms. I, I really don't care for the terms. I don't care what that you know, looks like. Uh, but what I do care about that is the, the goal of bringing teams closer together to, to you know, app, application developers closer to networkers, closer to server admins, closer to storage admins, and kind of collaborating and creating applications that work better on the network, networks that work better for the application, um, and, by, you know, and all of those kind of pieces bringing that together, right? So for, as a you know, dyed-in-the-wool network guy, vMotion is a pain in my ass, right, because I have to support layer two stretched across a huge data center, which is not a fun thing to do in a network. Obviously, uh, you know, ACI and makes 
makes that much simpler task, of course. But but generally speaking, that's not something that we're you know network, as network guys crazy about. And I'm sure the application guys, you know, think networking is easy. And you know why why does your network suck? So the short term you know peace on earth driving all of these these kind of silos together and you know as Chris Wall would say silo busting and all that fun stuff. I think that's that's huge. So if programmability is a, a mechanism to kind of get towards that, I think that's fantastic. Um, and then longer term, I won't spend much time on this because it is kind of pie in the sky a little bit. Um, but it, I think it's worth talking about. Um, yeah, so I put Skynet. Right? So the, the machines are taking over, right? The, the robots are, are winning. Um, but I think it's there's some really cool possibilities out there where um, I can pick on uh, use an example. One of my my friends uh, uses a lot. Uh, so I've done some work with a company that hosts lots of images, right? Uh, like stock photos of things, stuff. Garfield. We'll pick on Garfield for as an example. Garfield's generally probably not very searchable for them, right? They don't <laughs> serve up a lot of images of Garfield because not many people are talking about Garfield. Um, but what if you could have an application that queried Twitter and Garfield started tre trending? And so Garfield was, pictures of Garfield are on some, you know, spinning disks, low storage in the corner of the network on the oldest gear. You know, who cares, right? What if that application could understand that Garfield's tr trending on Twitter, unfreeze that... Um, all of those, those photos, right? Put them off of spinning disk, punt them over to you know the flash array in the middle of the network on the fastest gear, make an API call to something like a clicker or something like that, cloud management platform, spin up resources in Google Compute, spin up ACI, spin up UCS, do all of this cool stuff. Um, and then you know maybe even open a trouble ticket on behalf of the application itself if it senses something degraded. Um, so I think, you know, you, again, you can kind of get a little pie in the sky, but I think there's there's really some really possibly cool things that are coming, and it's really all because of programmability and, and giving us the option or the ability to kind of do things like this. Um, so tools, I want to talk about tools that we're going to actually demo today, really. So most of these are uh, ACI-centric. Um, API inspectors built into ACI, that's not necessarily a, an ACI-unique thing. Uh, Visori is an ACI tool. Uh, the, the one that isn't ACI-centric at all on this is Postman or PA or any other API runner. Um, so we'll just kind of talk through these really quick, and then after this is demo, and then I have one whole more slide, and then we're done. So API Inspector is, uh, like I said, it's a built-in tool within ACI. And it's really, really cool because everything that you do in the GUI in ACI is actually uh, fronting the API, right? So you click around and you hit Submit. You configured something in your GUI and you hit submit, and then the GUI is actually sending an API call on the, on the back end from you know, the GUI to the APIC. And so API Inspector basically just intercepts that and allows you to simply see, I created a thing, and here's the JSON and the, you know, the REST call. And so that becomes really powerful because as soon as you know how to do anything in the GUI, you can get immediately the REST and the JSON payload uh, to actually create what you just did. So now you have the you know, the bare bones, um, the payload that you need to send to the APIC in order to do that. So you can manipulate data and insert variables and do all that kind of crazy cool stuff. Uh, so we're actually going to do that today. Um, Visori is uh, a managed object viewer, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Uh, everything in ACI uh, lives in the managed information tree, right? It's all managed objects. It's very object-driven. 
uh, Missouri is a tool to basically browse that or kind of stroll through that that tree. And so it's it's kind of intimidating at first, I will say. Um, depending on time, we we probably will look at it um, very briefly. Um, but it is a little intimidating at first, just because it's kind of an unfriendly interface, I guess. Um, but once you kind of get used to it and know what you're looking for, it's actually really really powerful, uh, allowing you to kind of grok where everything sits within the within the the APIC in terms of that managed information tree, which is pretty crucial to understand as you kind of start doing more and more with, especially with the API calls and stuff. Um, so the next one here, ARIA, or APIC REST to Python adapter, which is, I don't know quite how they got ARIA out of that, but I mean, clearly they capitalized the Y, which I think is weird. Um, but ARIA is an extremely, extremely cool tool. Uh, and basically what it does is it takes that REST call that we're gonna be able to get very simply from the API inspector it takes that REST call, you just feed it the JSON that is in that REST call, and it will spit out executable Python code, or nearly executable Python code. You gotta you know, put in username and password and some, some stuff like that to access the APIC. But this is, take a simple thing from the API inspector, shoehorn it into ARIA, and then wham, you have Python code. Uh, and then obviously you can manipulate that Python code to do what you want. We're also gonna do that today. Um, Cobra is kind of, uh, Cobra is the Python SDK for ACI. Um, so the code that ARIA actually spits out is leveraging that Cobra SDK. So they, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit there. <laughs> Excuse me. The ACI toolkit, uh, we're not actually going to talk about today, but it's totally worth mentioning. Um, it's, it's up on GitHub, so you can just go there and check it out. I guess not today, GitHub was down. I guess everybody on Twitter was freaking out about that. Um, so maybe tomorrow, hopefully, GitHub will be in. But the ACI toolkit is basically just a collection of tools. Uh, I think almost all, if not all, are written in Python. Uh, and it's just ways to poke the APIC or poke your ACI environment and kind of get cool information uh, out of it. A lot of these tools are kind of slowly making their way into the, the main shipping code. Um, in fact, I was just talking to, to my, my boss earlier today, and uh, Snapback, which is one of the things I was going to talk about today, is now actually fully functional in the in the APIC. I didn't even know it at the time. Um, but Snapback uh, was one of the cool features of the ACI Toolkit. It's still there. Um, and it's basically take snapshots of your fabric and roll back configurations to that point if you want. Um, you can also do some version diffs and some cool stuff like that. Uh, there's a cable plan uh, as one of the, the applications within the Toolkit. And you can basically map an Excel cable plan <clears throat> versus what's actually happening in the fabric, so that's that's pretty neat. Um, and then th there's some other stuff too. So ACI toolkit is definitely worth worth checking out. Um, and then Postman, Paw, or other API runners. Um, those are the two that I'm familiar with. I'm sure there's a bunch more. Um, Postman's a Google Chrome extension. And Postman Runner is basically a collection runner for for these API calls, and we're going to actually demo this as well. Paw's a native Mac client. Super super pretty. Uh, but the, the gist here is that <clears throat> these are the tools that you use to create craft, I guess, if you want to say, your your API calls to the APIC. So Postman's is a very accessible tool. It's like $10 for the for the runner add-on. Um, that's what we'll be using tonight. Uh, and, and you'll see how we can really simply take that payload of JSON and then know what URL we want to poke it at. <coughs> Excuse me, and then we can throw all of that up against the APIC, and then 
we have config configurations. We just built our own API calls, which is really, really cool, and it's really, really straightforward. So without further ado, we will jump right into demo time here, and we will bring up my little APIC here. Oh, if I could type, it's hard. It's late for me. Yeah, yeah. Fat fingers. I'm a perfect example of fat fingers and why we should program things. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is actually an APIC simulator I'm running on my laptop, but for all intents and purposes, the, the API is exactly the same uh, to as a real uh, APIC, right? And so this is uh, basically a net new fabric. All I've done is uh, bring it up and acknowledge my, my devices. Um, there's a tenant here, Carl tenant, but there's nothing in there. And we're going to actually go ahead and, and start from scratch and create our own B brown bag. Bang, B brown bang, B brown bag. Uh, tenant, uh, I'm not going to spend any time really talking about the ACI components. I know Lauren has um, already been kind of going through doing all of that. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and create a tenant and a, a virtual network or a private network, which is a, a VRF and a bridge domain. We're just going to call all of them B brown bag. Right. So now we've got our, our basically blank slate of a tenant with our vbrownbag vrf and our vbrownbrag uh, bridge domain here and pretty much nothing else. So we're going to go ahead and create an application profile uh, and we'll just call this vbrownbag as well just to keep things nice and simple. And we'll go ahead and submit that. So I know uh, in kind of some of the earlier sessions in the, in the series, Lauren has been talking about EPGs and uh, just kind of components of ACI in general, right? So we know that uh, an endpoint group is just a grouping of endpoints, right? So any ACI deployment is going to, of course, have, you know, you're going to have a tenant, you're going to have an application profile, you're going to have EPGs, you might have many of all of those things, right? Uh, but what we want to talk about right now is EPGs, right? So we can create this EPG, we can call it EPG1, and we'll hook it to our vbrownbag bridge domain, and then that's great. We've got We've got our first EPG, and that's that's cool, right? But what happens if you want to do like tens or hundreds of these, right? This probably not very difficult to do five or ten of them, but obviously at scale, this is going to be a pain, right? Uh, so what we want to do is leverage some of these tools we just talked about to make our life easier, right? To to do this in a more efficient way. So I'm going to go ahead and delete this guy, right? And I'm going to go ahead and open up the API inspector. Um, so this is that, that first tool we were talking about, right? And you're going to start to see eventually uh, there'll be some refreshes and stuff coming up, and we'll see the, the refreshes. Uh, and then when we actually go ahead and configure our EPG, we're going to go ahead and see the post show up in here. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right back into it, and I'm going to just build EPG1 again. I'll hook it to our bridge domain and go ahead and say finish, and then I'll go ahead and do one more step because I want to make the demo a little bit cooler. And we'll go ahead and hook it to our physical domain, which is just a default physical domain. There's nothing special there. And then we can go ahead and we can look through and find our posts here. So there's one, and just search for this. Oh, there's the other one. So what we're going to do 
is put our post. I can find them again. Come on. We're going to take these posts and we're just going to dump them into a text file. So actually, it's backwards here. So this doesn't look very uh, friendly, I guess, or, or simple to look at, but uh, let's kind of just break it down a little bit. So we can see that this is a method post, right? So it's an HTTP, HTTP post, right, which means we're posting configurations to the APIC, so that's simple enough. We've got this fancy little URL here, uh, which is where basically in the in the API we're going to make this post. So then we've got, simply enough, our payload, right? So we've got, uh, this is JSON um, string that basically shows what we're actually posting to the APIC. So I'll use, um, this is Sublime Text uh, Editor here, and if I can get it. I don't know why my hotkeys aren't working here. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, we can use what's called pretty print, basically. Let me just get rid of this here real quick. And because I was handy, I saved all of this beforehand. Um, so the, again, these are these are the the methods here that we're posting. And then this is uh, the pretty printed version, right? Which is just making the JSON kind of human readable, I guess, if you will. Um, so it's a built-in extension for Sublime Text, and I'm sure some other text editors. Um, unfortunately, my hockey's being all crazy, but luckily for us, we have this. Um, so you can see simply that we've got uh, basically a parent, and then we've got some attributes of the parent. And like I said earlier, this is all structured data, right? So we have a DN, which is distinguished name, name, uh, relative name, and a status of all of these things, right? And then we have what the actual config is. So if you're Familiar with uh, you know key data or any kind of thing like that in Python, this would be DN would be the key, and then we have uh, the actual payload, right? Hey, Carl, so there, is, Carl there, there's actually um, you can take the payload and go to various websites, and they're called like beautifiers or whatever too. So if people don't have like Sublime or something like that, they can just uh, yeah yeah go to a website, Absolutely. look Google beautifier, and you can find it. Beautiful. Beautifier, beautiful, pretty print, all of these fun things. But yeah, so you don't have to do that, um, right? Because this JSON is just JSON, whether it's tabbed out and, and readable or not. But yeah, this is this for at least for me personally, this makes my life so much easier. It's not even funny. Um, but this is basically the payload for creating our EPG. So you can see we created EPG one, gave it a name of EPG one, and then it's hooked to the the bridge domain, the bridge domain name here of vbrownback. And then this is the, the second post that we did, right, connecting our um, EPG. I guess this one says EPG2, but that's because I saved it earlier. Um, but we're connecting our EPG to the physical domain, right, and this is just the default physical domain that lives in the fabric. So now that we have that, we can go ahead and uh, I've got all of this kind of built out in a folder so it's kind of easy and quick so we can burn through it for, for the demo purposes. Um, but basically all you would have to do is take take the payload out of here, get just the JSON, put it into another file, save it as whatever you need to do, and then you can run ARIA, right? So we, we talked a little bit about ARIA, which is APIC REST Python Adapter. And basically that's going to convert 
our JSON payload into an executable Python code. So we'll just go ahead and run this against this file here to EPG post, which is this, this file right here. And we can see that it creates this Python code for us. And you can see uh, it's importing Cobra packages, right? We mentioned earlier that Cobra is the Python SDK for use with ACI. Um, it's creating um, the login session. So this is basically how, how the Python code, how the Cobra code connects to ACI. Um, these are the basically the objects uh, within the fabric. So if you look back at the post, right, uh, we're posting this payload, but we're posting it to a specific location within the, the kind of the managed information tree, right? So this is, uh, oops, excuse me. Uh, so this is basically the locations. This is the locations in the fabric where we're ba basically posting stuff in kind of Cobra parlance here. Um, so you can see where. This is our tenant, and it's V brown bag, and then our application profile, and it's V brown bag. And then we're building the EPG, and like we said, we named it EPG1, and we hooked it to the bridge domain of V brown bag. And if we were to go ahead and do the same exact thing, right? Run the the the, the third or no, file number three here, right? The the actually connecting the EPG to uh, a physical domain we automatically get, again, our Python code to execute this. So here's a, a little bit more beautiful. Uh, these are the Python codes that ARIA spit out for us. Uh, so one kind of thing to note, um, kind of got my arrow here highlighting this. So I, in this case, it didn't know where to, to have the top managed object. So this is basically saying, hey, you need to tell me where to do this operation effectively, right? So this is where we can real quickly open up, let's make sure this thing is logged in for me, uh, Visori, right? So this is the managed object browser. This is just you web straight to the APIC IP address slash Visori, um, and, and this is where you're going you're gonna to see this, right? So what we need to do now is basically look for, uh, let me pull this back up, uh, we need to understand where the top managed object is to connect this. So basically, what we're just going to look for is FP tenant. Uh, there we go. Yes. Um, so we're looking at tenants in this case because that's kind of the top place to look. So we want to look at the tenants. We've got my tenant Carl that's just you know hanging out there. We got some some ACI default tenants. I know Lauren's talked a little bit about common infra management. Then we also have our V Brown bag tenant. Um, and then within our V Brown bag tenant. Uh, we can kind of drill in and look for these things uh, and see basically what's in the hierarchy, what, where does everything live within the ACI managed information tree. So once we replace that, and, and you can see I've already done that here, where did it go? Uh, right here. Uh, basically, so this is I want to demonstrate simple simple Python code to create 10 of those EPGs that we just created and do all of the same stuff that we did in the GUI with Python and do it you know, one time and it's reusable and we can replace variables and do all of that. So this is basically a, a combination of these two Python scripts that ARIA created for us. And literally all I did was I updated my APIC IP address, the username and the password, the very secure password of password, uh, and then I created two really simple while loops 
because I want to create 10 EPGs in this case, right? It's just for our demo purposes. So I say I create a, a variable called loop. We assign it the integer of one. And we say while loop is less than 11, do a thing, right? And this is the thing that we want to do, which is build an EPG. Once we get done building one EPG, we'll increment the value of loop. And then it'll just keep going over that. And eventually we get over that 10 times. And what we're going to do to make unique EPGs is just say EPG, and then we concatenate it with the basically the variable uh, number, right? Uh, we're converting it to a string in this case in order to concatenate it, but that's that's kind of neither here nor there. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to build 10 EPGs, and we're going to hook all 10 of those EPGs to the, to the physical domain that we did. So I'm going to go ahead and delete this guy because we don't need him right now. And we will go over here. And this is, uh, I'm just going to run that script that we just kind of quickly went over. Nice and simple. And hopefully it works. You know, live demos and all. And hey, there we go. So now, very simply, we have 10 EPGs, right? And we've already got them hooked to our physical domain. So this is kind of a silly example, right? Because we're just naming them, you know, EPG 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, which you probably wouldn't want to do in real life, right? And we're hooking them all to a single physical domain. We're not connecting them to any ports on the fabric or anything. We're doing a very small subset of what you would really want to do in real life. But with a little bit of, uh, you know, practice, uh, kind of trial and error, or a little bit of Python, you know, background knowledge, there's no reason that you couldn't have Python read from, you know, a CSV file and insert variables into things to say I have, you know, 50 different EPGs that are named such and such thing. They all have to have these ports connected to it. There's absolutely no reason you couldn't, with a little bit of love, make that happen, right? So the, the intent here is to just say, without knowing anything about Python other than, other than this silly little while loop, which really is, you know, uh, pretty straightforward, and then just concatenating the, the number, uh, the integer of the loop we're on with this guy EPG. We just created 10 EPGs with a, a Python code without really knowing any Python. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's pretty pretty sweet, pretty powerful. Um, and this has helped me, for sure, get into Python a little bit more, because I'm total noob starting out. So um, it's really just an accessible way to do it. So. That's all cool. And so now we've got 10 EPGs and stuff, and, and they're you know humming along, doing whatever we want them to do, right? So one other thing, and I'm going to pick on VPCs in ACI, right? Because configuring a VPC or a virtual port channel is maybe not the simplest or shortest task. It's not difficult, but it is uh, it does take a little bit of uh, doing. Um, so basically, what I'm going to do is go ahead and configure one again, just like we did, and then we're going to go ahead and go through using a similar process to what we just did, but we're going to demo it with Postman and Runner, which is really another way to do exactly the same end result that we just did with Python, uh, but in a different way, right? So the, the kind of point here being that there's lots of ways to skin the cat, and they're relatively straightforward and accessible, right? So uh, again, I'm not going to really talk about uh, <clears throat> the policies um, or, or what we're all doing here, but basically we're just going to enable uh, CDP and disable oops, enable LDP just that, so that we have something to configure. And these are just basically the way ACI treats um, interfaces. So we're going to create a, oops, not that. 
Uh, we're going to create a VPC policy group. We're going to call it VPC1. We're going to select those guys that we just did, and we'll hook it to our default AEP again. Nothing special. Um, so that's neat. And we, this is basically a policy group that's saying, these are the characteristics that I want ACI to have on my VPC. Now we need to tell ACI what ports we want to do uh, for that VPC. So for this one, we'll just do ports one. We'll hook it to our policy group that we just created. And then that's great, but we also need to tell ACI what switches uh, we want those VPCs to live on. So we'll go ahead and assign it to this switch policy I had created already here. So basically what we did is we just created how we want the, the ports to, to be. We told it which ports, and then we said which switches uh, do those ports live on. <clears throat> so now what we want to do is go ahead and we're going to basically get that same data. Get this out of here. Uh, we're going to get that same exact data that we got with API Inspector, right? We want that JSON payload because that's really what the configuration is. Uh, but we want to get it in a different way just to kind of demonstrate. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to this policy group that we created. And really simply, we just right-click on the object. And we can go Save As, and it brings up this little fancy dialog window. We want all the contacts. We want the subtree, which is basically the configuration and everything within it. And because I'd rather work with JSON, we can pick JSON. If you feel like XML is your thing, then, you know, have at it. <clears throat> but we'll go ahead and download that. And then, let's see. And pretty Print is still not working. But basically, you can see uh, what we've got here is, again, this is just a really long string of JSON, right? This is doing exactly the same thing that we did before. We just kind of got it in a different way. And then what we can do, uh, this is that same string of JSON just pretty printed, right, and cleaned up or beautified. And so this is basically just saying that we've got, uh, this is our VPC1 that we created, right, it's named VPC1, and it has all of these kind of policies. And so if you kind of go through here, um, some of them, CDP, is a little bit easier to find, right? So this is the CDP interface policy, and then this is saying, in this case, it's enable. Um, and all of these represent just different configuration items that we could have. Uh, then we have exactly the same thing for the interface profiles, which is more JSON, and then again, the switch profiles. So that's great, and we want to basically go ahead and build uh, an API call. So, so we have the JSON, that's great. We can get uh, the, the URL, basically, of where we want to post this to by looking at the where it's posted to. And then what we can do is bring up this fancy tool. So this is Postman. This is, I mentioned, the Google, Google Chrome uh, <clears throat> extension. And basically what we've done here is I've created this environment or this collection called vBrownBag. And I have an environment um, called ACI Sim. And I'd love to go into more detail, but obviously we, we don't have unlimited time and I can talk a really long time about all this. Um, but basically, the, the, the environment is uh, a collection of variables. In this case, the username and password of the, of the APIC, the APIC IP address. And this allows us to basically insert these variables into, into the, uh, the collection. So this is the URL that we want to post to it. Then again, this is just the, the JSON that we already have. In this case, this is just the, the JSON to log in. But if we go down here and we say, 
great, this is where we want to, <clears throat> this is all of our JSON for our policy group. So, right, we had that big long JSON file. This is clearly a, a slightly cleaned up version, right, but this is a, a, exactly that same file. And then this is where in the APIC we want to post. So remember, if we right click and we go post, we can really simply get this information. The cool bit here is that now we have these cool double squiggly brace guys and we're inserting variables, right? So APIC's an obvious one. And we got our policy profile name, VPC ID, VPC ID. We've got some other stuff in there, lag policy, link policy. And that's great, but somehow we have to get uh, those variables substituted with something that matters to us. <clears throat> so let me go ahead to my fancy V brown bag um, folder here. And so basically what I've done is uh, ahead of time, because we don't have all the time in the world, right? I've created this really simple spreadsheet of 10 VPCs. So I've got 10 ports, right? Ports one through 10. I've got, they're all going onto the same pair of switches. It's the only switches I have. VPCs one through 10. And then I'm just going and saying, hey, just let's just use the default for all of our configurations. <clears throat> so that by itself is great, but it doesn't really do anything. The important thing to note here is that if you look here, you see switch profile, right? If we pull back Postman back up, um, see switch profile. So double squigglies, switch profile, right? So we're basically inserting a variable and that variable references the, the header column effectively. And then so <clears throat> what we're gonna do here is we're gonna load up runner, which is a, again, this is just an extension that basically will run that collection I have however many times I want. So I'm gonna go to my V Brown bag. It's going against the environment of my ACI sim. I'll pick on my CSV file here, which is just my spreadsheet. And I can go ahead and preview the data. And so it says, you know, this is my iterations, how many times I wanna go over it. And then these are all of my variables. So these variables all exist within that JSON, right? We just substituted, you know, EPG1 or VPC1 for the variable VPC ID. And then in this case, we can iterate over this 10 times. And what we're gonna do really simply is just fire all of that JSON or all of those rest calls against the API 10 times each with <clears throat> each time iterating over that list, that CSV. So if you had a hundred or a thousand VPCs that you wanted to create, you could really simply do that. So let's go back to ACI real quick and I'm just gonna go ahead and delete this guy, delete my interface profile and I'll even remove my interface selector here. So basically we're at, we've done nothing for VPCs, right? And then what we can do is we can go ahead and we can take our our collection runner and you can add a delay. Uh, for, for 10 iterations, we don't really need a delay, but if you're doing thousands of things, you would probably want to have a delay in between each iteration so you don't you know, blow things up. But we're just gonna go ahead and wish me luck. And live demo magic right here. So I know that was really fast, <laughs> really fast. I do this all, all, quite a bit, so it's uh, you know kind of ingrained in me, uh, certainly uh, very fast for if this is your first time seeing it, but the, you know, I guess the takeaway really is that it's uh, it's totally doable, and we can automate some really simple stuff like this without you know a CS background. You don't have to be a you know Python programming expert. You don't have to be a REST API expert. We can just pretty simply uh, pick up some some kind of simple tools that allow us to 
to do these things without uh, too much fuss. So that was that was a lot really, really fast. Uh, I have one whole more slide, and then, then I'm done. So this is my, my two cents, and I found this very, very lovely raccoon guy, and he says you can take it to the bank. So th this is just, you know, my personal kind of thoughts. Um, like I said, I don't have a programming background of any sort other than swearing after one class of C++ that I would never do any kind of programming ever again. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've, I've... What's that? I think a lot of us have been there. Yeah, right? So, but, you know, I mean, for, for me personally, this was really intimidating to... Whoa! Everyone in, that has a blog and everyone that's on a podcast is saying... You know, you, you have to be a programmer or you're obsolete and, you know, all of these things. And, you know, I think there's certainly some, some truth to that. I think just like uh, just like anything else, right, if, you, if you're not learning, you're, you're probably becoming obsolete at some point. So I think you don't need to be a Python expert or a Ruby expert or whatever. But I think having some extra tools in your tool belt certainly can't hurt. So for my my two cents my personal take on automation or programmability or you know whatever you want to call it is just start small right like we didn't do anything crazy in this demo right we configured some vpcs uh, you know if this was a regular nexus switch we would have maybe had a template and copied and pasted and you know or find replace or whatever we didn't really do anything different than that but we did it in a in a in my opinion more reusable fashion in a more portable fashion in a way that you know you could do uh, a thousand times just by you know dragging your your Excel you know formula down the row or whatever. Um, so automate the boring stuff and, and just start small. Right? Uh, if you have to do a thing, whether it's you know bump a port every day, maybe it's worth just poking around with EEM, you know something simple and configuring a port to do shut no shut you know once at midnight every day. But if you if you have small things you have to do all the time, that's a good place to look at it and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I can figure out a way that I don't have to actually waste my time and I can just have a cron job fire off a script at you know twelve oh five every day or whatever. Um, I say recycle, reuse. Uh, if if you can if you can configure something once and all you have to do is replace variables. By all means, do it. Right? That that's Postman for me. I mean, I use Postman in my 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 day job, right? Um, and really similar to what we just used, right? Because all I have to do is say, okay, you know, Mr. Customer or you know whatever fabric I'm on, I need to know how many VPCs I have to do, and I need to know what they're called and what ports they are, and all I have to do is plug that in, and then, bam, I can fire that right against any APIC anywhere. Really, I mean, all I got to have is the credentials and the IP. So you know, if you can reuse this stuff, it's you're going to get more out of it, right? So if you start on those small things, then you have to do that small thing a hundred times, and it takes a minute, and then you maybe spend 90 minutes to figure out how to automate it, and then you never have to do anything ever again. You just saved yourself, you know, 10 minutes. It's a silly example, but it's a thing. Um, document all of the things, dear God, especially if uh, you know me being not not excellent Python skills. Um, I, you know, will do a project of some sort or you try to use Python to do something and come back to it a day later, <laughs> let alone a week later or a month later, and already forget what the hell I was trying to do. So, uh, you know, 
I, you should probably be documenting, you know, most things in networking, but certainly code, uh, especially if you're getting, uh, you know, easing into it, document the hell out of it, and just put comments everywhere and make sure that it makes sense to you and hopefully, you know, your peers or coworkers or whatever, because uh, that way we can all kind of learn together and yeah, somebody might come around and say, oh, I see what you I see what you're doing. You know, your documents, your comments make sense, but you know, you could try it this way or, or whatever. But as long as it's documented, you know, what your intent is and how you're trying to go about it, that's I think huge. And then the the biggest bit uh, that's helped me a lot is just make a project out of it. Uh, like one of the first things I did with Python is <clears throat> something that is not really that useful because it's already out there as a thing. Uh, but I basically used to have, used TerraTerm, right? Anybody who's been around a while, I guess, probably played with TerraTerm. Uh, you know, lovely little terminal, terminal emulator. And I had this macro thing from some coworker at some point, and it would take a list of IPs, a list of creds, and a list of commands, and it would go out and do your commands on all of the devices in your list, and then, you know, save those configs if you wanted. So I said, you know, TerraTerm, obviously I haven't been using TerraTerm in a long time, using, you know, secure CRT or just terminal or whatever. Um, so I didn't have that, and I was like, oh, I, you know, there's tools out there that could do that, certainly. But that was, for me, probably like the first semi-real-ish Python pro project I, I kind of undertook, and it was, it was cool, and it's, you know, a practical thing, and uh, yeah, it's useful. Uh, you know, maybe you could have bought a utility to do it, but it was a fun way that I had a goal to, you know, try to start the, the journey, I guess, on, on programmability. So that's, that's my two cents, and you can take it to the bank like the raccoon says. That's all I got. Thank you very much, Carl. It was very technical. It yeah, explained very well and pretty easy to follow, thankfully. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you can yell at me on Twitter or wherever if, if it's not. <laughs> but now having the right tools there definitely would help make that a lot less intimidating as well because sort of going through the code structure so on who's sort of easing into it as well and sort of those right tools make a world of difference or definitely something worth the time looking for. Yeah, yeah. Not having to start from scratch with you know, if I had to so if you told me tomorrow like go figure out how to, you know, make a REST API out of, you know, a, a text file I would be confused and sad. But having, you know, these kind of tools that make it you know, attainable, it really helps. Or getting type of JSON. Um, thank you everyone for attending tonight's podcast. It was presented by Carl Nigo and Nigel and the other. Excuse me. Got out of talk for a second. So that was a <laughs> installment of our series. The other three are available on thebrandbag.com and professionalvmware.com. And this one will be up there as well and on YouTube. So, Carl, do you want? Do you have any blogs or Twitter handles you want to plug before I close this out? Sure, sure. Um, you could find me on Twitter at Carl underscore Niger N I G E R. Pretty, pretty easy to find. Um, my blog, sadly, not getting as much attention as it should, but it's uh, comeroutewithme.com. And I'm sure you can find me on LinkedIn with a pretty uh, distinguished last name or pretty unique last name, I guess. But uh, you know, who uses LinkedIn anyway? So. Yeah. Uh, and thank you everyone for attending. I'm Fred Johnson at FredJohnson008 on Twitter. All right, have a good night. Thanks, guys.